turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. If you don't have a pew Bi- or if you don't have a Bible, grab the pew Bible in the pew rack in front of you. You can find our passage on page 810. And uh, we are in the middle of uh, a series that we have uh, started about three weeks ago called In God We Trust. And we're learning what it means to trust God uh, with all of our lives. And we've learned already that God is completely and utterly trustworthy. Um, and we should rely and trust in Him. Second, we learned what it looks like to trust in Him, and that is to not rely uh, or lean on our own understanding, but in all our ways to acknowledge Him, and we learned what that looked like. And then last week we learned um, that the reason we should be trusting God is He is the owner and master and controller of all things, and He owns this universe and controls all that involves our lives and who we are. And so we should put ourselves into His hands because He is our Creator, He is our God, and we are called to trust Him. But this morning, I want to focus in on the issue of the enemy of trust, and that is worry. And so this morning, we're going to look at Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to learn about worry. Before I forget, though, um, if you haven't, uh, this quick announcement, if you haven't uh, already, make sure you stop by uh, the table in the foyer as you're leaving. Uh, we've got a letter for everyone who calls themselves an attender or, or member of Village Bible Church, and so Carrie will be there to hand those out to you. Uh, if you're not sure if you've got one or not, you probably do, so make sure you grab that note from us and uh, you can look to that. But today, I want to talk on the subject of worry. And worry is something that each and every one of us struggle with. When we talk about trusting God, uh, the question could be asked, do you trust God? And in a church uh, where we dedicate such a focus and and such a large amount of our gathering together here at Village in singing the praises of God and talking about God, the overwhelming majority of you would answer to the question, do you trust God? Of course I trust God. If you were to be asked, how deeply do you trust in God? Most of you would answer very deeply. And who can deny that? Because as Christians, we have put our faith and our trust in Jesus to save us from our sins. And yet, I'm here to tell you this morning that while you may have a salvation trust, that is because you believe in Jesus and what Jesus has done for you, you have a hope, you have a peace, you have a faith, you have a trust that on the day of judgment, God will uh, offer you uh, the ability to be with him forever in a place called heaven. But today I want to talk about the sanctifying trust that we have. That is, the trust in everyday matters. You see, for many of us who would wholeheartedly and enthusiastically say we trust God and say we have a deep deep faith and trust in Him, many of us are filled with all kinds of anxieties and worries. The God whom we trust for eternity, quite frankly, whether we like to admit it or not, isn't up for all of the concerns we have today. He's not strong enough. He's not uh, sovereign enough. He's not able enough to address the issues that come our way. And it seems a bit odd that we would trust God for our eternity, but we would not trust Him for the everyday experiences of life. And yet that's exactly what we do when we are worried or anxious about the things that concern us on an everyday basis. God has no desire for us as his children to live there. 
He has no desire for us to be worried and filled with anxiety. And we're going to learn this morning why that is the case. What God wants of his children is that we would rest in his faithful hands. But in order to do that, we've got to look at the subject of worry this morning. You see, worry is a great destroyer of souls. If left unchecked, worry and great anxiety can cause us to have a painful state of mind and existence. Now, before you think that I've got it all figured out, before you think I'm some heartless preacher, I want you to know that the temptation even for me of worrying is all around us. Let me explain a couple ways that I see worry in my own life. First of all, we are fragile and finite. We are flawed people. And because of that, we live in a fallen world. And because we live in a fallen world, there is much that we could be worried about. There's much that anxiety could grip us with. Let's talk about some of them. First of all, finances. Some of you are worried about finances. You're worried about if there's going to be enough money in the checking account. You're worried about your investments. You're worried about what you see in the stock market going on. You're worried about a lot of of different issues of finances. Money concerns you. Some of the greatest percentages of people who struggle with worry will say money problems are the source of their worry. And I too have much to be worried about. I worry about my own personal finances at times. I worry about church finances. And of course, as a bivocational pastor, I worry about my own company's finances. Finances are easy to worry about. But we can also worry about family. We can worry about uh, our kids and our marriages. We can worry about where we're going as a family, as a parent who's now entering into the teenage years of life. Parenting gets worrisome, right? You worry when you send them out to, uh, to go hang out with a group of friends. So we're in the process of teaching our oldest how to drive. Worry becomes a big part of your life. One day we're going to hand the keys to them, and worry will fill our, our hearts. One day we'll send these kids off, each and every one of us, and they'll meet uh, other kids, and they'll start dating and having relationships, and, and as a result of that, worry will be filled. We'll send them off to college and all these things. Man, being a parent is one big temptation of worry. Are they going to face temptations the way they should? Are they going to live and stand strong against peer pressure? Uh, Having a family, even the Apostle Paul says, listen, is better to be single because families are filled with worry. But not only family and, and finances, but how about health? Some of us are dealing with some really difficult health concerns and and situations. And we've got doctor's reports and, and we've got prognosis that, that have us deeply concerned and, and our hearts race and we, we go to all kinds of bad places. Well, I'm here to tell you this morning that your pastor isn't immune to these things. And I want to share just some things that will tell you that God has a sense of humor when he puts a passage like this on the docket six months ago for us to preach on this very week. You see, for the last couple of weeks, Amanda has been getting some uh, medical tests done. And for those that don't know, Amanda uh, was uh, diagnosed with breast cancer a couple of years back. 
and uh, they found uh, a couple masses that they're not sure about. And for the last couple of weeks, we've ultrasound them, we've MRI'd them, we've done all these different things, and they've come back each and every time saying, yep, they're there, we've got to do something about it. And as a result of that, uh, this Thursday, Amanda's going to have to have surgery to remove these masses, and then they'll take these masses and they'll do... Uh, um, uh, a test on them. I'm trying to think of the word. I can't. Pathological test on them. Pathology test. And, and uh, we'll find out if it's a reoccurrence of cancer or not. And right now, we are in the waiting stages, right? And how ironic is it that God would give the preacher in a week where we are so tempted to worry the subject line that we are called not to worry? And so you can be praying for us, but I want you to know this morning that when I preach to you, I don't preach to you in some laboratory where everything is is sterile in our lives, everything is good in our lives, but many times, and it happens more often than I would uh, ever let on, that many times I am preaching first and foremost to myself and to my own circumstances than I am. You guys are just the spectators of me having a conversation with my Lord. And this morning, that's the case. Because worry uh, can take us and it can begin to cause us to doubt the goodness and the greatness of our God. Worry, when we allow it to be that way, that and anxiety, can allow us to build idols of fear and despair instead of trusting in God and all that He has done for us. Whether it's our jobs, whether it's decisions, whether it's medical issues, whether it's struggles in the past or worries about the future, worry is a problem in our world today. And we've got to get help from it. And God doesn't want us there. God wants us to trust Him. God wants us to rely on Him. Because here's the thing, worry will kill you. It will destroy your walk with God. You will lose your joy. You will lose any sense of peace. And we have to look at this issue of worry because at the very heart of trusting God is the question, will I worry? Because you can't trust God and worry at the same time. Now I want you to know this morning that worry is something that affects a lot of people. But I want to share with you that it seems that study upon study says that women, the women of our church and the women of our, our community struggle with worry and anxiety to a greater level than men do. It doesn't mean that men don't struggle with it, but for some reason, uh, this is an issue that, that women deal with on a more acute um, place than, than men do. And I, I just want you to know this morning that it isn't easy. I had an individual as I was walking down here say, I struggle with anxiety and worry. And that, it, there's no simple pill that will take care of it and, and release it. But we do have a prescription from God's Word this morning. And God's Word is if you want to win against worry, then you've got to fortify your trust in God. And that is easy to preach and hard to live. And, and so I want to share this graciously. I want to share it as I and my family are in a time of waiting in a place where we could really worry. But I want you to hear what God has been teaching us. And I want to share it with you knowing we are not perfect at it at all. But hopefully what we learn from the scripture today 
is that we can win against this enemy and we can find victory in Christ Jesus. So let's look at Matthew chapter 6 this morning. Matthew chapter 6, and we are in uh, right here the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. And we've studied the Sermon on the Mount um, a couple years back and uh, did a long uh, study of the uh, entire three chapters that Jesus' message uh, um, consists of. And this is the longest teaching, the Sermon on the Mount is the longest teaching of all of Jesus's recorded during his earthly ministry here on earth found in the scriptures. And so during what is the most prolific sermon in Jesus's life, Jesus thought that it was important enough that he talk about worry, which tells us something this morning. If Jesus thought it was important in the first century, then we can recognize this isn't an issue that is here because of our technology. It's not an issue here because of, uh, of something that we in our society today are struggling with. Uh, worry was an issue, and Jesus saw it as such an important issue to talk about that in the heart of his most important sermon, he dedicates uh, an entire uh, paragraph with regards to and Matthew writes down what has been articulated, and we're going to hear what Jesus has to say. Words that were shared 2,000 years ago that have ample application for us today. Here's what the text says. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious or worry about your life, what you'll eat or what you'll drink, nor about your body, what you'll put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not, not of more value than they? And which of you, being anxious, can add a single hour to the span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? O oh, you of little faith. Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles... They seek, or, or better yet, they worry about all these things. And yet your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. So seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, in essence, in light of all that Jesus has just said, do not be anxious, He says, about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Let's pray. Father God, we come before you and we thank you for your word this morning. And I pray for my congregation, the congregation that you have, have placed before me, Lord. And like me, Lord, they are filled with worry. They are filled with anxiety. Lord, in this world we have trouble. And with trouble comes deep and profound concern. And yet, Lord, teach us this morning that this is an enemy, not a friend. This is a problem, not a solution. Teach us this morning how to deal with worry and anxiety and to cast our cares upon you because you care for us. So teach us through your word this morning, we ask, and it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. 
Well, I want to jump right into the uh, first point this morning. If we're going to address this issue of worry, if we're going to win against it, then we have got to identify our foe. We've got to identify this enemy. And we've got to call it out for what it is. Worry isn't just something that we waste our time with. Worry isn't just a bad habit. Worry is an enemy. Worry seeks to rob us of our peace, take away our joy, and it seeks to destroy our relationship with God. Worry is a foe. It is an enemy that needs to be dealt with in the life of the Christian. And we've got to identify and we've got to figure out its strengths and weaknesses. As young boys, my, uh, my children love to watch the Rocky series, all 550 films of it, right? And each time in the Rocky series, Rocky would inevitably face a different opponent. Starts out with Apollo Creed and then Clubber Lang and then Ivan Drago and, and uh, Tommy Gunn. And we could just keep going and going with all the opponents. But all of them were very different. So every one of the movies wasn't just Rocky fighting uh, just another similar fight. It was a different fight, a different struggle, a different issue. And like any good boxer, Rocky had to figure out what were the strengths and what were the weaknesses of the opponent before him. How was he going to find victory when he entered into the ring? Well, this morning, we enter the ring and we look across our corner over to their corner and we see the enemy, the opponent of worry. And we've got to know who worry is. We've got to know how they fight we got to know how we are susceptible to the offensive attacks that they're going to bring our way. And then we got to figure out how do we destroy worry before it destroys us. Now, I want you to know our opponent that is in the corner opposite of us is a mighty opponent. It is a strong opponent. It is an opponent that seemingly has had many victories along the way. It is difficult to knock out worry. Survey tells us that half of all people in Americans' hospitals are constant worriers. That they're worried about things. Now, when you're in the hospital, you're going to worry, right? You're there for a reason. But uh, one study was done recently that said 43% of all adults suffer from distressing worry. Now that number goes up, the 43 is of men and women, uh, over 60% of women say they struggle with this malady. They, they struggle with the issue of worry. Now the American Medical Association says that worry is linked to all kinds of issues and illnesses, heart disease, cancers, lung ailments, accidents, cirrhosis, and even suicide. Worry causes us to be unproductive. An estimated one million workers will be absent tomorrow from work because of worry-related issues. As a result, on an annual basis, more than half, that would be 275 million workdays, will be lost this year because of absenteeism. The number one reason that they are for being absent? Being worried about something. We struggle with anxiety. Mental distress caused by worry causes all kinds of issues. And who can uh, dispute that? The mental fatigue of sleepless nights and days without peace. We get a glimpse of the havoc worry has in destroying the quality and even quantity of our life. Now, Jesus says the, the Gentiles in our text 
worry about all these things. They're concerned about all these things. They're anxious about all these things. And it would be wonderful if I could say, listen, the unbeliever struggles with this thing, but aren't you glad you're a believer? Aren't you glad you have faith and hope in Jesus Christ? Aren't you glad you trust in God alone? And because of that, you and I are immune to this. Well, sadly, the church struggles just like culture does. And in our presence today are many people who are struggling with this just as their unbelieving friends and family deal with it. And this is not good for the children of the King. God loves us so much and He calls us to stop living life like the world does. And to start living in light of who He is and what He has done for us. And while, listen, we know that in our heads, while your pastor knows it in his head, it's hard to get it to his heart, right? It's hard to really live that way. So as we approach this enemy of worry, we need to understand, first of all, a little bit about him. Let's understand how he's defined. Worry is the state of anxiety and, un- and uncertainty over actual or potential problems. Let's stop there for a moment. Worry is pretty amazing. Because worry is such an opponent, it can get you worried about the things that are actually going on in your life, and it can get you worrying about things that actually aren't happening in your life. And so it can turn you upside down, inside out. It has a way of really wreaking havoc in your life. Now the Bible tells us a little bit more about worry, because that's how Webster defines worry. But the Bible defines worry as to take thought of or to consider. And what that means may sound a little bit benign, It carries on the idea of thinking about two things at the same time. And really, if you think about it, that's what worry does. You're thinking about a particular situation, and you're concerned about a particular situation, and you say this, well, what about this, or what about that? And the Bible gives this idea, and we'll talk about it a little later, but the Bible says that when we have these two things going on, we begin to vacillate between one and the other. And we begin to vacillate in such a way that we become double-minded. And the book of James says that when we are double-minded because of worry, we become unstable in all that we do. And some of us right now are unstable. I don't mean that in a mental way, but I'm just saying we're just not, we're not firmly rooted, but we're unstable, we're unsteady because worry is eating at us and it's causing us to bounce from maybe the good or the bad or the bad and the worse. And we vacillate back and forth. Now, the reason why the worrier does this is the worrier's trying to do something. If you're a worrier, this is what you're trying to do. This is what I'm trying to do. We are trying to live in the future. The worrier always is worrying about the future. What if is the key phrase of the worrier. What if this happens? What if that happens? And here's the problem. The worrier's trying to do two impossible things. Think about the future that isn't here. We're not living in the future. We're living in the present. And it isn't ours. We don't get to determine the future. We don't get to have a picture into the future. We don't get to be able to go to the future and then come back and try to change it so that it will turn out differently. We get one shot at the future and we are unable to control it. And so what we're trying to do, listen, and this is very important, when we worry, what we're trying to do is play the part of God. God alone lives in the future. 
God alone can live in the past, the present, and the future. He's all places at all times. He is all powerful and, and, and omnipotent. And because of that, God is timeless. You and I aren't. We are bound to time. And we're trying to be God. And so when you worry, I want you to know this morning, you're trying to play the part of God. I'm trying to figure things out to manipulate uh, the moments today so that the future will look different. Now, I want you to know something this morning. Worrying will not and cannot do one iota to change the circumstances of your tomorrow. Listen. We've got the possibility of a reoccurrence of cancer in the Badal family, or we've got the opportunity or the thing that all this might be for naught, and everything comes back, and it was just two crazy little things hanging out in Amanda's body, right? Could be one or the other. Let me tell you what I can't do. We can't worry about this thing and worry the cancer out of Amanda, right? Can't worry it out. There's nothing our worry will do that will change the circumstances of it. If a bad report is to come after Thursday, nothing I can do in my worrying that will change that. If my children are going to walk away and rebel against God and rebel against us, no amount of worrying will change that. Now, I'm going to talk about concern versus worry in a moment, but you sitting there and pacing the floor and getting all worked up inside, that doesn't change your kid's behavior. Worrying about your job, you sitting there and staying up late at night, filled with dread about your job, isn't going to, all of a sudden, the board meeting's going to happen at your, at your business or at your uh, workplace, and the board's going to say, whoa, well, we learned that uh, Tom was really worried about this stuff, and let's change the whole layoff plan. Listen, your worrying does not do one iota of changing the circumstances about you. You're wasting your time. You're wasting your time when you could be dedicating yourself to far greater things. That's why I love what Vance Havner says about worry. He says, worry is like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but you never get anywhere. Amen? So you're sitting there and you're rocking back and forth, back and forth. But you're not progressing. Oh, we gave you something to do and you'll grow tired after a while. You'll grow bored after a while of it. But, but here's the problem. Corey Temboom put it this way with regards to worry. And she had much to be concerned about. She was being chased down, both her and her family, from the Nazis during World War II. And she put it this way with regards to the enemy of worry. Worry is an old man who's carrying around a load of feathers thinking they are lead. Hmm. Some of you are carrying around a load of feathers and you're weighed down, not because the, the weight of them are heavy, but because you're so worried you think that what you're carrying is more difficult than it really is. See, for many of us, worry is just a big fog in our lives. We can't handle it. We can't figure it out. We can't understand it or make logic of it. And I will tell you this morning, if you find yourself in a place of worry, if you find yourself in a place of despair over the things of tomorrow, then I will tell you there's only one person that's happy, and that's the devil. The devil loves for you to be filled with worry. The devil loves for you to be so consumed, if you will, and disorientated by your issues and struggles. The devil loves that and longs for you to stay there. So this morning, as we look at God's Word, what are your worries? What are your anxieties? Name them. Write them down. Call them out. This is an enemy of mine. 
This seeks to rob me of the joy that God promises in His Scripture. And I'm going to do everything in my power by the grace of God and the empowering of the Holy Spirit to rid these things of my life by living the prescribed way God has called me to. And so what do we need to know about worry? Number one, I want to disclaim some things about worry. Worry doesn't rule out contemplation or or planning. Okay, so three times in our text. Do not worry. Do not worry. Do not worry. Other translations do not be anxious. But with all things, we must use our minds to understand what the meaning of the Scripture is. What what are they meaning? And there's a problem that comes. Because one of the translations of the Bible, one of the biggest translations of the Bible... I believe mistranslates this passage. The new, the King James version of the Bible, the uh, version that many of us were brought up upon, says this: "Take therefore no thought of tomorrow." Hmm. That would rule out all planning. That would rule out all uh, thoughts and and procedures for the future. And the Bible seemingly doesn't say that. The Bible tells us that it is wise for a man to plan. It is wise for a man to think through what he's going to do in the days to come. And where do we get that? Number one, we get that from God. God has had plans. The Bible says that no one can thwart the plans of God. Well, God doesn't do sinful things, unscriptural things. And so it is us in the image of God living out as God has that God's given us a mind to make plans for tomorrow. We see the life of Jesus is one big plan that he is fulfilling. Never going to the left or to the right of it. Jesus is always fulfilling the plan. It was God's plan that Jesus be born of a virgin. It was God's plan that he would live a sinful life. It was God's plan that he would preach and proclaim the good news. It was his plan that he would be arrested, beaten, and crucified, put to death, buried, It was his plan that he'd be resurrected from the grave, and it was his plan that he would ascend to the right hand of the Father. And Jesus fulfilled all of that. Jesus himself prepared and planned with his disciples of what would take place when he was gone. And so we see this over and over again. In fact, in Luke 14, write this passage down, Luke 14, 28 through 33, Jesus uses the planning of a man building a tower in a general or king going into battle, that a man must plan, he must prepare himself, he must uh, ask himself and consider the cost of what it's going to mean. And he likens this to our relationship with him, that we plan, that we anticipate, that we count the cost of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And so, listen, when, when I talk about worry, I'm not talking about planning for something. I don't think it's wrong in any way to have insurance. I do. I don't think it's wrong to plan for retirement. I am. I don't think it's a sin to have dreams or to have plans. I have them for my business. I have them for this church. I have them for my personal life. I don't think it is wrong. I believe it to be wise to contemplate about the future. Contemplation isn't worry. Number two, uh, disclaimer, concern isn't worry. It doesn't mean being concerned. It's very good for us to be concerned. To be concerned about ourselves. To be concerned about our family and friends. To be concerned about their well-being. To be concerned about the world around us. Listen, it is quite concerning to see another shooting in another school. 
That's concerning. We need to have conversation. We need to have dialogue on how to reduce this to nothing. We got to stop this, right? We got to quit this business of having young people and, and old people killing others seemingly for no reason at all. We should be concerned about those things. And we should be speaking about those things. And quite frankly, in the evangelical world, I think there's a lack of concern in a lot of our lives. We, we think that we're guaranteed a tomorrow that, that's like today. That we think that everything is going to go. We'll have the same job, the same marriages, the same relationships, the same comforts. And we're not guaranteed that. And so we need to contemplate and we need to be concerned about tomorrow. We need to have a weighty understanding that life tomorrow may be very different than today and it may require things of you and I. Again, there's a biblical examples of this. Jesus, when he's on the cross, he's dying his death for us. And Jesus, one of the last sayings from the cross is he looks to John, who's the only disciple who follows Jesus through all of his passion. And John is at the foot of the cross with Mary and some of the other women. Mary, of course, being Jesus' mother. And Jesus, while hanging on the cross, one of his last utterances is, John, take care of my mom. Take care of her. And he says, listen, John, this is your mom, Mary, even though he, she wasn't. And Mary, John's your son. And what he's saying is, John, I'm holding you responsible. My plan is that you're going to take care of my mom because my mom is a concern of mine. I love my mom. I want her taken care of. And I'm going. I'm leaving this earth. And I want to make sure someone is responsible for her. Now listen, and I don't mean to be trite about this. Jesus was not hanging on the cross going, Oh no, I forgot about mom. What are we going to do with mom? Where's she going to go? Who's going to take care of her? No, he says, listen, John, you take care of my mom. She's a concern of mine. And I want to make sure she's taken care of. And so listen, Jesus didn't worry. And yet he was concerned about things that were closest to him. I think it is altogether good and right for us to contemplate the future and be concerned about the things that impact us the most. So what is it about worry? Listen, worry is being conflicted. Worry is being conflicted. It is teetering between two opinions. Opinion number one, the circumstances of life. And opinion number two, trusting in God. You will not worry. Listen, I know this is going to be hard for us to understand, and it's hard for me to fathom. But listen, if we wholly trust in God, we will never worry. You cannot trust in God that He's going to take care of you and live and trust His promises for you and then worry at the same time. And so to worry is to be conflicted, is to doubt the goodness and the greatness of God and His provision for you and to think, well, because God's not sufficient to take care of it, therefore i got to get my hands dirty and i got to take this into my own hands. And it's this confliction of, well, God, maybe He's okay to do it, but maybe I need to keep it in my own hands. It is being conflicted. And, and, and even more, it is to be consumed. To be consumed. Some of us are consumed with worry. We can't get over it. We are paralyzed by it. The word worry in, is an old Latin word that literally means to choke or to strangle. And some of us right now are so worried about uh, any number of things. And I will tell you, you want to know when you're consumed? 
You're consumed when all you can think is bad for the future. That there's no thing that will balance out your concern. So you have a medical concern. You have a headache. And you go to WebMD on the internet. And you read the symptoms. Your head hurts. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. You don't want to look at shiny, bright things. Yeah, that's, that's me. Well, okay, I got two of the symptoms. You, you don't feel a little nauseous. Yeah, that's me, that's me. And you keep reading down WebMD, and it says you have a watermelon-sized tumor in your brain. And you believe it. Now, here's the thing. You may have a watermelon-sized tumor in your brain, but there's a good chance you probably don't because your head's not as big as a watermelon, Right? And there's a whole lot of symptoms that you don't have, but you have already prescribed yourself as having terminal cancer with no hope for tomorrow. And so you go to the doctor and you know they're just going to have bad news and they run tests and you know it's all going to be negative and you are consumed with it. And you can't sleep, you can't eat, you can't enjoy relationships with friends, you can't do any of that. And and I will tell you, I make fun of that, not because I'm making fun of you, but it's nonsense. But we do it, don't we? We do it all the time. I'm tempted to do it now. With my circumstances, and we can do it with things that there's no issue. Some of my worries that come up are what-ifs. They're not even reality. They don't even make sense. Well, what if this happens? Or what if that happens? What if pigs fly? What are you going to do, Vidal? It's illogical. And that is exactly what we do. We're conflicted between trusting God and trusting ourselves. And then we become consumed. And I will tell you, Jesus says, don't be consumed with your worries. Be consumed with Him and His kingdom. And so notice, there are some things we need to rule out. What's consuming you? Now, I want you to know this. 22 times the Bible talks about worry. It's never painted in a good light. It's always negative. And so this issue, this struggle we have, God's never like, oh, it's good you're worrying about that. That's good for my people to do. He says, no, don't do that. Stop doing that. It's not good for you. So once we identify this foe, and understand really what it is. It's not planning, it's not being concerned, but it's being conflicted between trusting God and not and being consumed. We then need to encounter worry face to face. We gotta gotta step up to it and say, listen, what is it? And what am I doing when I worry so that I can, uh, by God's grace, destroy this thing in my life that's seeking to destroy me? And the first thing we need to understand is that worry is a big thing. Jesus says it. Numerous times. And when Jesus repeats something over and over again, it means it's pretty important. And so three times in our text, do not worry, do not worry, do not worry. Why do we not worry? Number one, because worry causes us to become unfaithful to our focus. Now notice in verse 25, and in the other times that he says it, when he says do not worry or do not be anxious, Jesus is not saying something of a suggestion. Jesus is commanding us not to do it. And so Jesus, as our superior officer, is telling us, stop doing this. This will do you no good. It will produce nothing of value in your life. It will uh, sidetrack you in your walk with me. How can you follow me if you're not obeying my commands and worried about your own circumstances? He says, stop that. Now notice... At the start of verse 25, he shares the word therefore. 
He says, do not worry. Therefore, do not worry. We've got to ask the question, why is that there for, right? And so we go back a verse, and notice you go back a verse into 24, and it says, no one can serve two masters, for either will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and, and money. Hmm, one of the most things we worry about the most, money. And what he's saying is, is that when you offer yourselves to worry, you are saying no to God and yes to worry. You can't hold worry tight and hold God tight as well. You're going to leave one aside and you're going to be consumed and controlled by the other. And so Jesus says, listen, don't, don't worry about these things. Now, he says, do not worry. But notice, he says, do not be anxious or worry about your life. That word life in the Greek is the word suke, And it gives the picture of an all-inclusive element. Do not worry about anything in life. So whatever you're worried about, it falls under the heading of your life. The worry that Jesus is commanding is us not to be a part of is about anything that is worrisome in life. And some of you may say, what is so unfaithful about worry? I mean, really, it's my little thing and all of that. Here's the problem. When we worry, we distrust the promises the providence of God. We begin to say, God, you're not as strong as you think you are. God, you're not as powerful. God, you're not as all-powerful and controlling as you are. And therefore, I've got to worry about this. I've got to be concerned about this. And the problem is, is that it's a lordship issue. Because worry says you're God. Worry says that God can't handle your issues, therefore you have to step up and do them. Listen, as Christians, we are servants of God. We are His slaves. He tells us what to do. And our master, our owner, our Lord is telling us, don't worry, that is not your job. A couple summers ago, one of my best employees was rising up uh, in the, the catering company for us and he had uh, desires and even now he's uh, running his own restaurant and all of that and and this guy was smart this guy was really a great employee but but in the last year that he was working for me he took upon himself not only trying to do his job but my job as well and so he started ordering around the other employees and and i watched him and i got a little bit concerned because the way he would talk to some of my customers was was in essence kind of uh, taking me out of the role and him getting placed into it and, and his dialogues with salesmen started to change and, and I had to pull him aside and, and the, one of the reasons why I had to pull him aside was because he was starting to fail at the job he was called to do. What I was paying him for, he wasn't fulfilling. Why? Because he was too busy doing my job. Some of us as Christians are struggling to do what God has called us to because we're too busy doing God's job and not doing our own. God tells us don't worry. Don't be consumed about the future. Don't be consumed about what you'll eat or drink. Don't be consumed about what you will wear. But when you worry, you say, God, I've got to do your job. And when you're trying to do God's job, you will not do your job well. You won't accomplish what He has called you too. And so we got to stop worrying. Well, how do we stop worrying? We see God in his role. Last week, 
We talked about God as the owner. We talked about God as the ruler, God as the creator in 1 Chronicles 29, 11-15, where David says, Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and in earth is yours. Yours, O Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted head over all. And then he goes on and says, wealth and honor, they come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. God is the ruler. God is the provider. God is the creator of all things. But when you worry, listen, you kick that God off his throne. God, you're not able to deal with this. God, you're not able to accomplish these things. God, you can't be trustworthy enough to... Uh, take these things under your own advisement. And so how do you deal with worry? You fall in love with the absolute sovereignty of God. God, you are able. You are more than able to accomplish what concerns me today. Our issues, our struggles, our fears, our anxieties, our worries may seem huge to us, but when we put God in, in a proper perspective of who He is, they become very, very small. They become little. And so we've got to understand that we've got to put God in a proper place, and it is focusing in on the sovereignty and the greatness of God, not on the greatness of our problems. It causes us to be unfaithful to our focus. Notice it's unnecessary. It's unnecessary because of our Father. We have a Father in heaven. Notice now in the text, it says numerous times, Father, yet your heavenly Father, verse 26. Verse 32, your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Not only do we have this great God who's in heaven who tells us not to worry, but this God who says not to worry, I've got it all under control, is a God who by the grace and love of Jesus Christ redeemed us into His family. Now we have a loving Father who loves us and who, who has entered into a relationship with us, who is concerned with us, who wants us to uh, relate to Him and who knows the most intimate details of our lives, including that what uh, worries or fills us with worry. And notice Jesus says a couple things. Because of your heavenly Father, don't worry about food. Notice in verse 26, he goes on and he says, Therefore do not uh, be anxious about anything, what you'll eat or what you'll drink, verse 25 says, or about your body, uh, what you'll put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Now you say, okay, well that's weird. Why would you worry about food or clothing? I mean, I go to the refrigerator and I get food. When I run out of food in the refrigerator, I go to the grocery store and, and I'm never without clothes. I've got all kinds of clothes in the closet. Why would I worry about those things? Because in the first century, people worried about food. That's why Jesus called his disciples to pray for what? Daily bread. And so they were concerned, where's food going to come tomorrow? And what about the next day? Do we have enough food until the next harvest? And they were worried about the daily necessities of life. And some of us are worried about those daily necessities. And we have a heavenly Father who takes care of the issue of food. Notice he says, look at the fowl. So you go from food to fowl. Notice the birds. They've got all that they need. They're not all worked up. They're not freaking out. They've got everything that they need to take care of them. 
Notice about the length of time. Verse 27, who of you can, by worrying or being anxious, add a single hour to your life? You're not. You're robbing yourself of an hour of your life. And then he goes on to the flowers, 28 and 29. Look how beautiful they are. Look how they are clothed. Even Solomon, the richest and, and, and most lavishly dressed individual, the king of Israel, he can't even uh, get close to the glory that the lilies of the field have. And what Jesus is saying here is unnecessary worry about things. They're small and seemingly unimportant, if you will, to the God of the universe. And what does God say? Not only do I care about them, not only am I watching them over you, but I'm watching the flowers, I'm watching the birds, and they're of such less value than a human being. And so I'm concerned about this. But what worry does is it causes us to start thinking our Father is no good. Now, I told my son Joshua I would share this story, and this is from years ago when he was a little boy. But Joshua, when he was younger, when he got hungry, he, he would let you know it. And some of us are like that, right? We get hungry and we get cranky and all of that. We were on vacation one time, and I had had a goal that I wanted to hit, a mile marker I wanted to hit before we stopped, right? Dad's got a plan. We're going to stop for gas here. We'll stop for food here. And in the back seat, little Josh is probably five or six years of age, and he says, Dad, I'm hungry. All right, son, got it. We're going to go to mile marker such and such. Okay, Dad. Then about 10 minutes later, Dad, I'm hungry. I'm dying back here. Son, we're going to get there. We'll get there in due time. And then, probably trying to work his mom a little bit, I don't think he loves us. He doesn't care. He's talking to his brother Noah. He's not going to stop. I think deep down inside, in that five-year-old's head, he had come to the conclusion, he didn't know why, but something had changed in his father that though his dad had fed him every other meal for all of his life, today was the day that dad had made the decision, no more. No more food. No more food. We're going to starve you kids out. Whatever you did, you broke an un unspoken rule, and we're going to starve you out. And then he started saying, you know, dad doesn't love us. Dad doesn't care about us. Then it got humorous, right? And we're just sitting there. And then it was like, you know, we'll go 10 more miles. Let's see what we get out of this kid, right? <laughs> now, that's funny for a little kid, right? And it's acceptable for a little kid. A little kid is going to struggle with all of that. And even Josh today wouldn't say those things because he's matured and, and grown up, as we all do. But how mature is it of us when, when we do that with the things of this world? What do we say? God, you don't care. God, you're not, you're not doing what you're supposed to. I'm down here. I'm all worked up. I'm all bound up. And, and I don't hear anything from you. What kind of father are you? And God must just laugh a little bit. He's like, have you ever gone hungry? Have you ever gone unclothed? Have you ever gone with your needs not being met? Have you at some point in your worry stopped thinking that, okay, I must have broken some rule that God now is going to starve me out, right? And yet that's what we do because we tell God, God, you are not God enough to address this issue. And so I've got to stay up late tonight and I've got to worry about it. 
Because God, you're asleep. I've got to stay up and I've got to pace the floor. And I've got to bind myself up in all kinds of knots because God, you're not God enough. God, you don't care about me enough. You're not my loving Heavenly Father. You hate me, God. Because you've allowed these circumstances to come. I have no hope. I have no future. So God, I've got to uh, roll up my sleeves and I've got to do it myself. What does God say? It's unreasonable because of our faith. He says, oh, you of little faith. You of little faith. And notice what he says. He says, listen, the pagans, they do this. Listen, (laughs) An unbeliever who has no hope, an unbeliever who does not believe there is a God, especially a God who calls himself their father, when he gets a cancer report, he better freak out, right? He doesn't have a solution. When he loses his job, yeah, he should probably freak out. It should be altogether likely for an unbeliever to worry about all manner of things. But here's the problem. Jesus says, don't be like the unbelievers, and so here's what we do. Our, our ethics are not the way of unbelievers. We get that. Our, our morality isn't like unbelievers. We say we're not going to live that way. But when it comes to worry, this has become what Jerry Bridges says is a respectable sin that we can live like unbelievers. And I'll tell you something. What testimony do we share with unbelievers that when bad things happen to us, we freak out like they do? Well, wait a minute. Why do you waste your time? Think of what they're thinking. Why are you wasting your time every Sunday going and singing and going and spending time with people who believe in this omnipotent God who is impotent to deal with what you're worried about? Let me tell you something. And it's, gonna, it's hard for us to understand because when we worry, we become hypocritical. We tell people God is altogether trustworthy, but then we live our life as if He is not. And this is where it's, it's unreasonable for our faith. Do we believe God? Do we trust God? Well, we do for our eternity, but we won't do it for tomorrow. There's something wrong with that. We have a God who is powerful. We have a God who passionately loves us. We have a God who has told us we reside in the palm of His hand. We need to trust Him. How do we do it? Well, we've got to fight worry to prevent failure. Worry can lead us to failure. So we've got to go into battle with the help of the Holy Spirit and defeat by the power and presence of Him our worry in our lives. If not, we'll become slaves to it. So what do we need to do? Notice, we must declare a system of priorities. We've got to declare something. Verse 33, seek first His kingdom and His righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. we got to declare that when worry comes into our mind. Maybe she's got cancer again. Well, you know what? Whether in the good times or in the bad, I'm called to walk closely with my God. My God hasn't left His throne because a doctor told me something. My God hasn't left His throne because my marriage is in turmoil. My God hasn't left His throne because my kids aren't walking with Him. My God hasn't left His throne because someone did something of great violence or or pain towards us. God never leaves His throne. And we've got to understand that God wants us to seek His kingdom, to look at our lives through His perspective. But to do so, we've got to stop and we've got to speak to this and say, I will not worry because God is still on His throne. 
Now, I will give you this allowance. When God falls off his throne, worry. Okay? But he's on his throne. And he's been on his throne. And he will always be on his throne because God, as we learned in week one, is utterly faithful. And so we've got to believe that and we've got to hope in that and we've got to trust in that. And when we do, worry will escape us. Worry will walk away. Worry will run. It will not work against us. Number two. Number two, we must put together a strategic program. Verse 34, therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So how do we flesh this out? A couple things I want you to remember. Write these down. Don't dwell on tomorrow's stress. Tomorrow you got plenty to be worried about. Tomorrow's a Monday, and Mondays usually are the worst, right? Monday there will be stresses that you did not know were coming on Sunday. You can't dwell on them. Don't worry about them. Some of you are worried about what tomorrow will bring. You can't. Tomorrow will deal with itself. Number two, don't dwell on yesterday's mess. So some of you find yourself living in yesterday's failures. You've blown it in a big way. And you feel defined by that. You feel like you have been put in a box because of that sin or because of that failure. And worry is not for the future. Worry is I'll never get beyond this thing in the past. You can't dwell on it. I I tell people all the time, your past needs to not be the windshield of your life, but it needs to be the rearview mirror. It needs to be something you look back to every once in a while, but you're looking straight ahead through the windshield of your future. And some of us are so bogged down with what's happened in the past, we can't live in the liberty of tomorrow. But finally, don't dwell on today's success. Maybe you had a victory today. Don't be filled with pride. Don't try to make today your tomorrow and the next day. Today might have been great. Everything might have gone perfect for today. Don't stay in the glow of today because tomorrow's a new day. So what do we do? Okay, what's the program? Write this down. I'm closing in prayer, okay? Worry about nothing. Write that in big, bold writing. Worry about nothing. That's what the Lord says. Worry about nothing. What am I supposed to do? The medical report's bad. The the relationship's bad. The circumstances are bad, God. Worry about nothing, God says. Pray about everything. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Do not be anxious. Do not worry about anything. Important. I know you guys aren't Greek scholars. Let me help you with the word anything in the Greek. It means anything. Okay? But in everything... Prayer. Present your request with thanksgiving to God. Why? Paul says. So that the peace of God, when you are worried, what do you need? Peace. Will transcend all understanding and God will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. From what, God? Worry, anxiety, despair. So what are you worried about this morning? What's causing you anxiety? Your job, your money? A family member, a bad medical report, a bad marriage, a broken relationship? Does this thing cast a large shadow over you? Does it rob you and fill you with pain and sorrow? Paul says, all that you're worried about falls under the heading, 
of anything. So give it to God. Give it to God because He's in control. Give it to God because He's your loving Heavenly Father. Give it to God because He is able to do all that concerns you this morning. He's the only one who can take away your anxiety. He's the only one who can give you peace. Peter reminds us of a truth where he says, cast all your worries, cast all your anxieties, cast all your cares upon Him because God cares for you. That's how we win against worry. And that's my prayer for myself this week. And that's my prayer for you.